It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 369 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Much Blizzard. It is July 22, 2022, and this is Jen. I'm going to start off by talking about unionization stuff again, because that's what's going on in the past week. There's an article from The Hill called Changing the Game in Gaming, and it features Jessica Gonzalez, a campaign organizer with the Communication Workers of America, CWA. And it's talking about um, she'd spent, let's see, nearly a decade in the gaming industry at Blizzard, more than half that time was at Activision Blizzard. And it, it talks about just the that she was um, part of uh, the Quality Assurance, the QA groups, and goes on from there. It's a really interesting interview, and I'll you know I'll leave you to check it out. It does reference some of the things that led up to the unionization. The article mentions the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing complaint that was filed last July. Uh, that's what kicked off a string of labor action, including walkouts. Gonzalez was a part of the suit. Alleges that the company fostered a frat boy culture. We know this already if you've been listening to the show or anyone else who talks about Blizzard. It's, you've, you've heard of this. The U.S. Equal Employment and Opportunity Commission, EEOC, had a separate case against the company for over sexual harassment. The company settled the federal case in March for $18 million. Gonzalez is appealing the EEOC settlement, calling the $18 million a slap in the face. Not only is the settlement too low, she said, but under the agreements of the deal, anyone who chooses to be part of the EEOC settlement will waive their rights to be part of the California suit. Following the California California lawsuit, Gonzalez helped create the A Better ABK Twitter page, which operates as, quote, the voice of the workers and not management, she said. And uh, let's see. In October, the company announced a new zero tolerance harassment policy and released a pay equity review of 2020 that found men who performed comparable work earned, quote, essentially the same amount of compensation as women. Gonzalez said some of the key changes for Activision workers have been secured through organizing. Quote, the company is co-opting all the action changes that we have won through the organizing campaign. All of the changes that have been made were won because we've organized and we've had a clear vision and we've gained enough support from the public, she said. goes on from there. It's um, it's a good article, though. It's kind of long, so I'm just going to give you a little bit of that, but that's where we're going to start today's show. The Washington Post posted an article titled, Activision Blizzard Staff Walk Out, Protesting Loss of Abortion Rights. This is written by Shannon Liao on July 21st. Hundreds of Activision Blizzard employees are walking out Thursday in Texas, California, Minnesota, and New York to protest the overturn of Roe v. Wade and demand protections. The current count as of this writing is 450 employees in person and online. The demands include a request for all workers to have the right to work remotely and for workers living in, quote, locations passing discriminatory legislation, end quote, such as anti-abortion bans, to be offered relocation assistance to a different state or country. Employees are also demanding the company sign a labor neutrality agreement to respect the rights of workers to join a union. On Twitter, the workers group A Better ABK said the demand was necessitated by union-busting efforts on the part of Activision Blizzard. Okay, yeah, there's a couple of tweets here from ABK. There's a quote. I'll read you the quote. We need 
need to make sure that all of our LGBT people, all of the people at ABK, Rackets, Activision, Blizzard King, with the capacity for pregnancy, all of the women at the company feel safe and protected and that they have the ability to live in places that aren't going to actively harm them, said Valentine Powell, a California-based senior engineer on World of Warcraft. And there's a little bit here from the ABK thing, which I don't think I put in, so I'm just going to borrow it now. No problems with that, right? Um... (laughs) Okay, here's what they wrote. This was on July 6th. So this is something we've already seen, I think. Yeah, okay, so that's not actually new. So we've probably heard that before, but it's embedded in the Washington Post article, which is something. Some of the protests will take place in Texas, specifically where Activision has offices and remote workers, and where abortion was already heavily restricted before the Supreme Court's decision. Several dozen workers gathered on Thursday in Austin to hold up signs that read, Gender Equity Now and Honk If You Support Workers' Rights. The honk thing is pretty standard whenever you've got people that are trying to form a union or get better working conditions. There's a couple of quotes in here from workers. Uh, I don't know if I want to... I'll just read it. Quote, This walkout is the right thing to do. ABK should be ashamed. That means Activision Blizzard King, not the unionization effort. Uh, That they are pushing for employees to walk out instead of accepting the demands and creating a safer workplace, said Fabi Garza, a Texas-based Activision quality assurance tester who helped organize the walkout. Quote, living in Texas as a person of a marginalized gender is to live in fear that at any point more rights will be taken away from you. Blizzard's got a thing from a spokesperson and I'm not reading it because I don't feel like we can trust what they say anymore. We've got so many examples of that. But if you want to read it, all of the things that I talk about in the show will be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com under this episode, and you can check it all out if you want to. Organizers said the increasingly hospitable legal landscape for marginalized people was the impetus for organizing the walkout. There's another quote. I'm non-binary, said Logan Lacoste, a longtime Blizzard customer service employee in Texas who helped organize the walkout. People like myself are not exactly in the greatest spot if various protected categories just had their rights rolled back. So we're looking into ways that we could get people to safety effectively. That was the biggest thrust of putting this whole thing together. Workers in Minnesota are also walking out with the largest expected turnout compared to other parts of the company across the country. I'll read you a quote from that. The remote work demand is very close to my heart as someone who lives with chronic pain and fatigue as well as anxiety. It's much easier to manage these things in a controlled remote work environment, said Kate Anderson, a Minnesota-based quality assurance tester. Quote, we have tried to rally around remote work demands in the past, particularly with the vaccine mandate walkout in April. In Minnesota, we have seen several COVID breakouts when they have tried to return to office pushes in the past. And that's terrifying if you, like... If you have chronic illnesses that mess you up, if your immune system is bad because of your chronic illnesses, like people like me, you definitely don't want to be in an office. I'm fortunate I'm not in an office because I've been working as a freelance writer for a long time and I can do this entirely from home without catching anything from whoever. But if you can't, if your workplace is making you do this and it's not safe for you, you definitely should have some rights about that to not, you know, be uh, sicker because of this action. (laughs) Um, and then there's more history here about legal actions and things like that in here. It talks about Raven Software that finally did get their labor union. At the start of July 10, 10 anti-queer and trans laws across different states went into effect, including Florida, banning classroom discussions of gender and sexuality, and an Alabama law that prevents transgender students from using bathrooms and lockers that align with their genders. And even in places where gender-affirming care is available, it can still be difficult to obtain, and transgender people may need to seek it out of state 
Abortion advocates have expressed concerns that even in states where abortion is protected, resources will be spread thin across demand. It goes on from here. Code CWA, which is the Communication Workers of America, put some pictures on their Twitter account titled, uh, the first one is Worker Solidarity and Organizing Will Win. And there's a little plant and then a little blue heart for uh, supporting ABK Union. Game developer wrote an article titled, Devs Protest Activision Blizzard's Soft Response to Abortion Rights Reversal. Uh, The blurb says Activision Blizzard's lackluster response to the reversal of Roe v. Wade belies larger leadership issues, comma, protesting workers say, written by Brian Francis, senior editor of Game Developer. I'll read you a little bit of this. Um, Activision Blizzard workers held yet another protest yesterday, one year after the state of California sued the company for allegedly fostering a culture of toxicity, sexual harassment, and discrimination. The walkout organized by the worker advocacy group ABK Workers Alliance rallied developers across Across several Activision Blizzard studios to protest the company's continuing sluggishness to combat gender inequity. In particular, the group took aim at the company's slow and apparently inadequate response to the reversal of Roe v. Wade. At Blizzard headquarters in Irvine, California, protesting employees were joined by representatives of Game Workers of Southern California, the Orange County Labor Federation, Labor Union Code CWA, and more. Code CWA previously helped workers at Activision Blizzard's subsidiary Raven Software form the first video game industry union at a major North American game company. It is currently helping workers at Activision Blizzard Albany with a similar effort. Organizers with a better ABK explained to game developer that though turnout at the Irvine event was smaller than previous protests, participating employees from three other Activision Blizzard offices meant this walkout was the largest one to date. An estimated 200 to 300 employees participated at in-person events, with another 100 participating virtually in the work stoppage. Kind of goes on from there. Um, Texas-based Activision Blizzard workers are at risk. This is farther down in the article, and again, you can read it all through the show notes. Activision Blizzard has a number of employees located in the Texas cities of Austin and Dallas, according to ABK Workers Alliance organizer Valentine Powell. Some uh, employees in the state feel physically at risk now that Texas's abortion ban has gone into effect, parentheses, alongside an increasing number of laws targeting LGBTQ people within the state, end of parentheses. I hear this every day. There are people, this is a quote, I hear this every day. There are people who know what they need to get out of Texas because they're not safe anymore, Powell explained. The organizer and World of Warcraft senior software engineer said they've been in daily conversations with Texas-based colleagues. Some are comfortable staying. Others feel like the threat of Texas's new state laws is great enough to make them flee the region. Quote, they don't really have the means or support to do so, said Powell. Stories have already begun to come out of Texas, and I've kind of mentioned that a little bit earlier. Activision Blizzard's crisis playbook is well-worn. If Powell's story about slow or tone-deaf messaging from management sounds familiar, it does to them, too. For the last year, the company has been cyclical in how it responds to each new crisis. Quote, a problem arises, they host a bunch of listing sessions, they make a lot of promises, and then nothing ever really gets done, they explained, or if things get done, it's not what we ask to get done. They noted that many levers for Blizzard employees to take agency over such situations have, quote, eroded, end quote, partly thanks to Activision Blizzard's organizational restructuring of the Human Resources Department. The studio's diversity and inclusion team and other resources were reorganized to operate under Activision Blizzard's HR structure. Blizzard HR Department was identified as a contributing party in the state of California lawsuit against Activision Blizzard, so the reorganization does make some sense, but, has, but little has been stood up in its stead. Quote, there's nobody who owns these initiatives, Powell said. There's 
no deadlines that are given. There are no benchmarks. Okay, so it talks about the walkouts and why the walkouts are important, which I think you probably get if you're still listening to me read about this. And uh, there's a question about where is the labor movement headed next, and I'll just let people read the rest of that for themselves because it's a lot in there. But if, you know, if you're in a workplace and you're trying to unionize, maybe some of that will help you too. Alphabet Workers says, proud to stand with a better ABK at the, as they protest the loss of abortion rights and demand greater protections for all workers. We've been joining workers at corporations like Activision and others in demanding real action now for reproductive justice. It goes on a couple more tweets. Quote, as the world's largest search engine, Google has a responsibility to do more to protect the privacy of its users and its financial support of anti-abortion politicians and ensure greater abortion access benefits for all workers. The last tweet in this thread from them is, quote, we stand with workers at Google, Alphabet, Activision, Blizzard, and across all industries fighting for reproductive justice and gender equity, said Alejandro Beatty of Alphabet Workers. Reproductive rights are workers' rights. One of the groups that was um, joining the walkout uh, is looks like um, Activision Blizzard workers in Austin. And so there's an article here from CBS Austin, which seems about appropriate. That's where they are. Activision Blizzard workers in Austin join nationwide walkout for reproductive protections. There's about six people in the little video. So it's just really simple and it just kind of reviews most of what I've said. It looks like a bigger group from this other camera angle, but not huge, you know, but enough, enough to show that there are people there. And um, so that's kind of neat to have that. A year after Activision Blizzard's explosive lawsuit, workers walk once again to, quote, end gender inequity, end quote. Workers are holding rallies at offices across the United States and online. Now, they started talking about the uh, the walkout. So uh, they go into the history of some of the litigation against Activision Blizzard. And this one is a walkout to end gender inequity at the company. Um, protests kicked off at 10 a.m. EST in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, before rolling out in Colony, New York, Austin, and Irvine, California. There's more about, you know, they just do a whole little history here of all of the shenanigans that happened at Activision Blizzard, some of which involves Bobby Kotek. And there's some pictures here of people who have did a walkout at Eden Prairie, Minnesota. So that's kind of neat. Here's a list of demands. I've read you in previous shows. And you can see that on, uh, if you go to ABK, at AB, uh, Better ABK's Twitter account. Some of the demands are in direct response to the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade last month, allowing state governments to outlaw abortion. Goes on from there. Video game companies, Activision Blizzard among them, offered statements acknowledging the decision. These ranged from outward statements of support for abortion rights to more vague comments that noted the historic nature of the decision. Activision Blizzard did not comment publicly on its social media, instead providing comment to press through a spokesperson. Here is what the spokesperson said. Now, to start with, there is a history of Bobby Kotek writing things himself and making it an anonymous spokesperson. There was one with, uh, what was her name, Fran, where she posted something on Twitter about anti-union concepts. And uh, then this really tone-deaf statement came out reportedly from her uh, that made her at least quit Twitter uh, or take down her account or something like that. And it turned out it was written by Bobby Kotek. Yeah, so he does this so often. So I can't be sure this spokesperson isn't him, but this is what Polygon received from the spokesperson. 
Maintaining a safe and inclusive environment for all is a top priority for Activision Blizzard and includes supporting the physical and mental well-being of everyone who works here, including their dependents. Earlier in June, we announced our expanded medical travel benefits to include coverage for U.S. employees and their dependents who participate in our medical plans and live in areas where access to medical, medical care, including reproductive health gender-affirming treatment, transplant care, and any other medical care covered by our plans that is not available in a covered person's state or within 100 miles of where they live. Uh, The demand also is in response to an increase in anti-trans violence and legislative attacks on trans people. Blizzard, Activision Blizzard workers are asking for protections for transgender and reproductive health care, as well as relocation support for workers in areas with anti-abortion and anti-LGBTQ plus legislation. Um, So it goes on a little bit from there. And then there's this update towards the end of the, very much at the end of this article. Update on July 22, which is the date I'm recording the show. Following the publication of this story, Activision communications consultant and representative for CEO Bobby Kotek, Mark Hare, sent Polygon a separate statement regarding the Department of Fair Employment and Housing lawsuit from last year. Activision's statement follows. Here it is. This malicious lawsuit was filed by the DFEH, which has a history of filings that are, quote, inaccurate, comma, based on speculation, comma, or otherwise addressed issues that the DFEH should not be concerned with, end quote. That is a quote from a federal judge in one among no fewer than five separate rulings in the federal courts against DFEH. Polygon adds some information. The quote referenced above is from an order by Judge Dale S. Fisher in March after the DFEH moved to block the U.S. Equal Opportunity Employment Commission settlement with Activision Blizzard. Fisher said in a court order that the DFEH's objections to that settlement were, quote, inaccurate based on speculation or otherwise addressed issues that the DFEH should not be concerned with. That's where that one came from. So it's just interesting to me that that's what they decided to do. I would rather see... Something from the high ups say, yeah, we're really going to help all our people and here's exactly our plan to do it and then follow up on it. But no, they just decided to yell at California's DFEH again, which really doesn't help anybody, including their own reputation. How do you believe somebody that says, oh, yeah, we're going to do better when they're going to, you know, it's just, uh, okay. So Code CWA, they had something to say about that. They actually quote tweeted Jessica Gonzalez. Um, who wrote, oh, so survivors of workplace sexual harassment and discrimination are malicious now? Got it. It's you know being obviously very sarcastic in response to probably what was in Polygon. And uh, Code CWA says, so this is the hill Kotech is willing to die on. Despite multiple allegations of sexual harassment and discrimination, it's embarrassing. This is why workers are demanding a voice on the job. In other unionization news, uh, we have an article here from Kotaku. It's titled, Activision's former Tony Hawk studio is unionizing. QA at the studio, formerly known as Vicarious Visions, are the latest to organize. Blizzard Albany, previously known as Vicarious Visions, and it's my understanding... Well, yeah, they have this in here. I'll just keep reading. It is the latest Activision studio to launch a unionization effort. Roughly 20 quality assurance staff at the office, which remastered Diablo 2 last year, have called on the publisher to voluntarily recognize the union, calling it, quote, a seat at the table for negotiating our futures, end quote. Quote, We, the QA workers of Blizzard Albany, are committed to fostering an open, diverse, and equitable workplace, the union called Game Workers Alliance Albany announced on Twitter today. Today would be uh, Tuesday of this week. 
Quote, we demand an environment where our skills, ideas, and democratic decisions are valued and respected. The staff are following in the footsteps of QA at Raven Software, which won a unionization vote back in May, and organizing with the Communication Workers of America, CWA. Specifically, the group is asking for competitive compensation, better health care coverage, pay transparency, and better work-life balance around issues like crunch, a game industry term for sustained periods of overtime work. Goes on from there, talks a little bit about Microsoft, which uh, is going to be neutral on unionization efforts. They have said that specifically. That announcement by Microsoft appears to have be aimed at helping to placate potential antitrust concerns at the Federal Trade Commission, which has final approval over the acquisition. Um, There's a thing here from Blizzard spokesperson Rich George who told Kotaku something, and I don't even believe the high-ups anymore, so I'm not going to read it out. But that's what's happening there. And then there's this uh, tweet from Nicole Carpenter who writes for Polygon, and she's basically just uh, quote-tweeted the GWA Albany, and it says a little bit about what they're doing specifically. So that's in there too if you want to look at that. Got another article in here from the Washington Post, titled Blizzard Albany Formerly Vicarious Visions Announces Unionization Bid. It's probably got a lot of stuff we've already heard in here. It's not a terribly long article, and it does kind of say some of the things that were in the Polygon article. Yeah, there's a lot of quotes from people and a little bit of history of what's going on with Activision Blizzard King. You can read that if you want to. Pure Diablo posted on July 18. On Twitter, Dear Pure Diablo followers, we are moving our Diablo Twitter action to the Pure DMG Twitter account where all future posts will appear. Follow us over on, and then there's a link. So I'm not really sure why they're doing that, but they're doing that. So that's where Pure Diablo stuff will be at if you're interested in looking at them. Did you know Blizzard is at the San Diego Comic-Con this year? (laughs) Um, They are. I'm not there, obviously, because I can't travel in the way things are right now, but... There's a screenshot of their booth at this event, and it's under the Life at Blizzard account on Twitter. And they wrote, Blizzard is back at San Diego Comic-Con this year. Stop by our booth to check out some amazing things. And I think they're trying to uh, kind of bring in maybe, is it May or Mai from Overwatch? Maybe? I'm not sure. I don't see anything in this picture about Overwatch, but whatever. Um, exclusive collectibles and say hi to our team. And there's some people there that have bright blue Blizzard crew shirts on and there's some merch all over the place. If you want to know more about their merch, they actually put up a thing on the Blizzard uh, News website under Inside Blizzard. So this is the merch that they're going to have. They've got... I'm just going to skip ahead. Uh, If you can't get to the convention starting today... Today was, let's see, today the 22nd. So this is right on time. um, You can pre-order a brand new uh, 25-inch statue of Reinhardt Wilhelm. That's an Overwatch guy, character, whatever. Uh, Enhance your decor with an effigy of the hammer-toting crusader of Overwatch himself, showcasing his bravery as he leads a rocket-propelled charge across the battleground. Your very own two-foot-tall Reinhardt awaits. Pre-order him now on the Blizzard Gear Store. They've also got new products, including the Diablo II Resurrected Deluxe Vinyl Box Set, 
by I Am 8-Bit, the Overwatch new Blood comic cover collection art, a Revendreth-themed Pepe plush, that's kind of strange, uh, World of Warcraft classic and Burning Crusade playing cards, Blizzard Series 5 badges, and much more. Uh, for the Diablo stuff, they have the Diablo 2 Resurrected Deluxe Vinyl Box set, which I just read. There is a Soulstone Power Bank Java Sock. I don't know what that is. It's spelled J-A-V-A and then S-O-K. T-shirts and art prints. There's stuff for Overwatch, World of Warcraft, and more. There's like badges and things like that. So if that's something you're into and you're at Comic-Con, I think it's... I don't know when it is exactly, but um, yeah, if, if they posted this on the 22nd, I'm assuming it's actually there. They're actually there today, especially with that picture they posted on Twitter of people from Blizzard wearing Blizzard shirts around that. So if you're into that, go check it out. Um, I don't know what some of this stuff is, but the Diablo stuff looks good. There's definitely a t-shirt in the little art piece they put together for this blog post that appears to have the Necromancer in it on a t-shirt. Looks pretty cool, so you can check those out if you want to. There's also a TRPG-inspired game that's coming out. It is not from Blizzard or Diablo, but it's inspired by Diablo and Castlevania. It's co-created by Dungeons & Dragons, a Dungeons & Dragons writer. It's called, uh, let's see, Hellguard Curse of Cana is a tabletop RPG that was co-designed by Ed Greenwood, the author behind the original Forgotten Realms setting of D&D and several adventures for the T. RPG and Gwendolyn Kestrel, who co-wrote the core rulebook for D&D 4E. The TRPG takes place in the world of Kana, C-A-I-N-A, which has been in the grips of an infernal war for far too long. Taking inspiration from hellish settings such as the Dungeon Crawler video games in Activision Blizzard's Diablo series, as well as the Castlevania video game series published by Konami, Hellguard sees players exploring a dark land haunted by supernatural evils that they must fight. As the Hellguard group, players are tasked with conducting various investigations whilst keeping the hordes of Hell back from Kena, applying their skills of deduction with, quote, anime-inspired, end quote, con combat abilities. Players will be able to choose from a selection of classes, each with their own pre-generated character to help the group to get started as quickly as possible. And there's a bunch of stuff in here. There's a video. Um, I don't know if the video is actually about that one. It's titled Five Horror-Themed TTRPGs for Halloween. So there's that. There is a Kickstarter. And it looks like they got what they wanted. They wanted $50,000 a goal. And they have 58000 Oh, and it's going up right as I'm watching it. 58210 So people are still sending money to this in order to get stuff. It's really, really cool if you want to see images of what it's going to look like. There's, um, they've unlocked a digital bundle for backers and hire that they'll receive .stl files for all six miniatures, including the horrific Red Master, which looks like a goat standing up on its uh, hind legs with a really odd tail and horns and some kind of bird sitting next to it. Uh, there's a digital bundle you can get for this. It looks like it'll be on your tablet or your phone as a PDF. There's hardcovers and PDFs. It looks really cool. There's like this image on the front of the book that there's some kind of creature here with large wings and these spikes sticking out of their head, or maybe that's a helmet. I'm not sure. That's a stretch goal, I guess. There's the box set. You get the deluxe collector's box, hardcover rulebook and PDF, the miniature thing, battle maps, Hellguard dice. They're black and red and kind of cool looking. There's um, some miniatures of each class that you can get, and there's cardboard punch-out creature tokens. So you can, like, if you're playing in person, 
which I'm not. Uh, most of my friends are just all over the place. There's no way we could all get together for one night of gaming, you know, in person. But if you're the type that's doing tabletop in your house or something like that, and you want to say, okay, here's this creature you're fighting, and you stick them on the board as one of these cardboard punch-out things, it really can help your players visualize like where the enemy's at, what they want to do next, how far away is it, do they have like a spell or something that'll hit it, you know, that kind of thing. And I know I'm sounding like a D&D nerd now because I play a lot of that, but you know, this thing looks really cool. And if you're into it, you know, maybe throw some money at it and see what happens because it just it just looks some, like something that people who play Diablo would really dig. So that's why I put it into the show. I'm going to switch over to some Diablo Immortal news now. Bloomberg wrote an article on July 21st titled NetEase to launch Diablo Immortal in China after long delay. The original China release date was June 23rd and a deleted social media post was said to have caused the postponement. I already talked about that previously. So here's a little bit from Bloomberg. NetEase Inc. is planning to debut the Diablo Immortal mobile game in China on July 25th, a month after the highly anticipated title was originally scheduled to launch in the world's biggest gaming market. China's largest game company after Tencent Holdings Limited has won the go-ahead to release the game it co-developed with Activision Blizzard Inc. Following a controversial social media post that halted the rollout, people familiar with the matter said. The date is still subject to last-minute changes, they added, asking not to be identified discussing private information. The tweet or post or whatever it was on Thing called Weibo or something like that. I know it's like a chat thing, like Twitter or whatever. And uh, it appears that whoever was running the official Diablo account, or maybe the just the official Diablo Immortal account on that service, said something that kind of referenced Winnie the Pooh in a vague way, which is an insulting way to talk about the leader of China. So I, that I think is what's people have said is the problem. Apparently they've sorted this out in some fashion. Okay, so Diablo Immortal, the latest installment of Blizzard's iconic franchise, is one of China's few blockbuster releases this year, following a months-long drought imposed by regulators. China's $44 billion gaming arena is expected to be Immortal's biggest market, and the game's debut will lift a cloud of uncertainty hanging over longtime partners NetEase and Blizzard. Shares in NetEase jumped more than 5% in pre-market trading in New York. Immortal was originally slated to hit store shelves in mainland China on June June 22, but the Hangzhou publisher announced a surprise postponement just days before the launch, citing the need for content enhancement. In reality, the delay was due to a deleted social media post interpreted as criticism of Chinese President Jin, uh, Xi Jinping. According to other people familiar with the situation, the official Diablo Immortal account that NetEase operates on the Chinese microblogging site Weibo has been blocked from posting for, quote, violating relevant laws and regulations end quote, according to a banner notice affixed to the feed. Okay, so NetEase is running the account on that on that service on Weibo, if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I'm not sure, but you get the idea. And I guess they can't post anymore because of that. And then there's a little bit more here talking about Diablo Immortal and, you know, stuff like that. So Pez Radar, Adam Fletcher, global community lead for Diablo Immortal and Blizz Heroes at Blizzard Entertainment, had tweeted on July 18 a job opening. And he wrote on Twitter, hiring for an associate community manager for the Diablo franchise. I know the job description notes three plus years, but as long as you have knowledge and passion for the job and space, you will be considered. And so there's a link to that uh, thing. And 
and it is uh, for Di- it's for a Diablo franchise. There's some responsibilities and stuff. If you're interested in this and that sounds like something you want to do or can do, um, again, everything will be in the show notes. There's um, another thing here going on Diablo Immortal. I don't know that that job appointment thing was for Diablo Immortal or not because they didn't really say, but I guess I just put it in there because why not? So there's a post called Diablo Immortal's first post-launch content update. It was originally posted on July 6th, but stuff keeps getting added in here, you know? So there's the Season 2 Battle Pass called Bloodsworn, and it's a red color as opposed to, I think the other one was blue or something like that. And you know how to use this if you've been playing this. The thing that's interesting to me is the Season 2 Battle Pass is going to run until August 4th at 3 a.m. server time. So if you're behind on that or you're not able to play as much right now or your game keeps crashing, like mine does, then uh, it might be, you know, time to go in and sort of slowly poke through that as, you know, as you can. So that's, that's a thing. The Heliquary Raid is also, um, I think they, it's still there. It's still in the game or it was like early this morning when I was trying to play. And I don't think, I don't know. I thought it was only going to last for a couple of days, but it seems like it's going a little bit farther. I'm pretty sure the Hungering Moon weekend event might be over with. And they've got some balance changes and things that are to come. Now, I've been playing, I've been trying to record it on my iPad mini. It usually works pretty well, but sometimes the game just crashes. And then I'm like, well, that's the end of that video. And I've been trying to put them up. I'm pretty sure that right now my Barbarian in Diablo Immortal is at like, I want to say 40 something. I can't remember what number it was exactly, but it's, I'm getting there. I got into a clan, somebody I don't even know invited me in, so I joined it because in order to make a clan, I think you have to have a certain amount of platinum, which you can buy with real world money, and I'm not going to do, so I'm just trying to get platinum, and you know, eventually I'll get a Shattered Soulstone group there, maybe. Yeah, that kind of thing, but I am still playing the game, I'm still enjoying the game. I believe that as soon as Season 2 started, that they have really kind of stopped pushing all of the monetization stuff as hard. I think the only one I've seen was I did the uh, the dungeon where you kill Leoric, and after that it showed a little pop-up asking if I wanted to buy the this chest full of stuff and then showing me a couple others. That's the only thing I've seen since Season 2 started. So maybe, maybe they got their whales and they don't need to, you know, oppressively push people to give them more money. Or maybe they got the message that a lot of players really don't want to see more monetization stuff than gameplay. So whatever, it's kind of, it's a lot less than it used to be. There's also a class change and new features debut in Diablo Immortal posted on uh, July 19. And so this is what they're doing. The class change thing, if you don't already know about this. In Diablo games, your journey begins with an important choice. Which class will you play as? To alleviate some of the pressure associated with this choice and to equip players with increased flexibility in how they play, we're adding a new class change mechanic to Diablo Immortal. After being up close and personal as a barbarian, which is what I'm doing, perhaps you're ready to sheath your swords and manipulate arcane forces from afar as a wizard. Class change presents an opportunity for a fresh start while maintaining most of your previous progress to explore to experience sanctuary anew as a different class visit the shifting flames brazier in westmarch to begin Below are a few roles surrounding the class change mechanic class change becomes available for a character beginning at level 35 you may change your class once every seven days at no cost 
There is also a one-time option to immediately revert to your previous class, skipping the seven-day waiting period. There are no current plans to allow players to purchase the ability to class change more frequently, so that's good. When you change to each new class for the first time, you can set up the appearance of your character and receive full reset of your paragon trees. Upon changing to each class for the first time, you will be granted placeholder gear. The placeholder gear will have an equivalent rank to the previously equipped gear of your last class. All clan, warband, and other social group affiliations will carry over. Some class-specific cosmetics and gear will not carry over when you change classes. All gear equipped to your previous class will be available in your inventory. Any cosmetics owned for a class will be retained on that class and will be available upon changing back to it. So what I'm hearing is you can basically do this for free if your character is at least level 35. If you want to change it again, you can do it a week later and change to something else. Or back to your first one. You don't lose your first character or whatever gear they had. And um, I think that's a pretty good thing. Because I think people are going to want to try different classes after a while. There's a Hero's Journey thing going on. And I've been messing with that a little bit. It's basically just do all these things you were probably going to do in game anyway. And then you get rewards and stuff for it. Some of it is platinum. Or maybe it requires platinum. I'm looking at a screenshot they've provided here. And I don't know exactly what I'm, what I'm looking at. I know it's this Hero's Journey though. And, um, you know, that's that's kind of a thing. And then there's the Adventurer's Path Limited Time event. That one is going through August 3rd and will stop at 3 a.m. server time as you complete the Adventurer's, you know, path stuff. I've been working on that a little bit. There's been a lot of stuff on Twitter from Diablo Immortal uh, talking about the Heliquary. And there's an Amber Blades cosmetic set in here that I don't think I saw before. And it's very, very shiny. <laughs> it's very, very shiny. Uh, the Amber Blades are one of the foremost desert gangs vying for control of Shassar and notably less vicious in their behavior than their largest adversary, the Sand Scorpions. The Blades condemn the Scorpions... Uh, yeah, the Blades condemn the Scorpions' forced labor and attacks on caravans and take every opportunity to disrupt their most vicious plans. Whether this approach is a matter of morality or a recruiting technique is known only to the Amber Blades themselves. Shield yourself from the sun's un yielding rays while trekking through an unforgiving sea of sand with the amber blades cosmetic set purchasable from the in-game shop now i don't know if that means in-game currency or real world money i'm really not sure i'll probably try to find that out for next show if i remember so that's kind of you know what's new with diablo immortal or coming up and if you want to see more stuff wowhead has images of the diablo immortal cosmetic armor set the blood sworn and they've got it where they like turn the character around you can see everything they have it for all all of the classes and you can just kind of see what it looks like and it's very red and spiky and kind of interesting in a number of ways and yeah it's like it looks like you slaughtered a bunch of things you know previous to putting this on and well there's the blood you're just going to leave it there apparently there is a post on the I think it's the Diablo 3 Blizzard forums posted by Filthy Rich uh, a couple days ago. And he wrote this, uh, Thank you to everyone who has tested and shared feedback for the PTR. Obviously the Diablo 3 one. We are developing a PTR patch that will include several updates and plan to push this out in the week of July 25th. We will extend the PTR testing time frame with this update to continue gathering feedback. Thank you for your continued support and the time you spent with us. If you're in the PTR and you're interested in testing out things, you 
may get some more time according to this. If you're not in the PTR because you don't want to do it, you might have some more time to work on your season in, you know, the current season in Diablo 3, which I've been trying to get back to, but I haven't yet. So either way, it's kind of a thing. And then Big Daddy Den, who you probably know, plays a witch doctor a lot. Uh, he wrote a lot of feedback to this, and it's it says uh, Witch Doctor Feedback PTR 2.7.4. There's a whole thing here of what he thinks should change and what's working and what's not, but if you really want to, you know, see what he thinks about it, he's got a video that he put up on YouTube called Diablo News of the Week D4 Beta and D3 PTR updates. And so he shows you the thing written by Filthy Rich that I just read to you, but he also reads over and shows you his comments about, you know, what could change in the PTR. So if you want to hear him read it, that's probably better than hearing me read it. So I'll send you that link into the show notes with everything else. A few other things going on. Moving on to Diablo 4. There's a few things here. So Pez Radar wrote this on July 18 on Twitter. Today I learned there are now three people with Fletcher as their last name on the Diablo 4 team. We go grow stronger day by day, and what no one realizes is that we will soon take over the world, because his name is Adam Fletcher. And the person who responded that wins the whole thread of tweets is Castor, who wrote, By three they come, which seemed obvious for a Diablo 4 thing, and I just thought it was funny. So it's in there. Um, there's also from Wowhead um, a Diablo 4 beta on Battle.net launcher title of an article here. And there is a screenshot of this. It says Diablo, uh, Diablo 4 beta installation. It's got Lilith holding a demon skull and the logo and everything. And it's talking about, you know, base game content, install location, default language is English in this screenshot. There's some code here that I can't read in there. And what was written on Wowhead says, on the battle.net catalog config, the data shows that the Diablo 4 beta has been added to the battle.net launcher, exclamation point. Currently, nothing is available for download, but the launcher is being prepared for an upcoming beta test. Back in 2018, Blizzard identified that Diablo 4 had been in development for two years under the codename Fenris, which can be found numerous times in the catalog config files. And there's definitely files in here. I can't read them. It does say Fenris somewhere, but that's from uh, Wowhead. And to clarify things, Rod Ferguson, who is the SVP GM of the Diablo franchise at Blizzard, and he wrote this, Hey all, I'm loving all the energy and excitement about a Diablo 4 beta showing up on Battle.net, but you should know that this is an internal-only test. Sorry, we will have more public testing in the future as we as we continue down the path to shipping in 2023. So it's not hey, go test our beta right now. It's an internal thing. Speaking of Diablo 4, there is an account on Twitter, and I can't pronounce the name. It's I-G-K-L-N-V-M-K. And they wrote Diablo Lilith fan art, put a red heart, and tagged at Blizzard underscore entertainment and at Diablo. And they drew Lilith in their own interpretation of her. It's definitely her. You could tell from the style of clothing and the very angry face and the horns and all this, and it's got the wings behind it. It's really good. I retweeted this sometime this week when I found it. Maybe it was today, because it says it was today. So I must I retweeted it, at least a couple of people click like on it. So I think that this one's a this one's a winner. It's really good art. And I do like to include things from the community when I can. 
In addition, you may have seen the Diablo account talking about tattoos at various locations for a limited time that you can go get a Diablo tattoo. And that's still going on. Uh, so there's a picture they showed. I, this is not a tattoo that you could get as part of this thing that they're doing. But there's a picture of someone who clearly just got a tattoo there's black ink and probably some white ink in there as well from looking at the art style. And behind it is like a very red color. Um, and it's a necromancer looking out at you, holding his scythe and looking very menacing. And there's like a skeleton next to him. Or no, that's a shield. <laughs> that's the skeleton shield, you know? So that's pretty cool. That is not what you're going to be get if you try to get one of the free little tattoo designs from this thing. But uh, it seems to be a lot of people that are into, you know, getting tattoos for this and going somewhere for that. There's one in Chicago. There's one in LA. There's a whole bunch of places that are doing this and so if that's for you it is a first come first serve basis kind of thing and uh, you know you either get it or you don't I've seen photos of people who have very red cards with like goldish lettering on them or at least reflective lettering that says something about this gets you into the beta for d4 I don't know if that's true or not but I've seen the cards so whatever as for me i can't get a tattoo i'm immune compromised i'm allergic to everything one little thing in the ink or something like that could you know cause me a lot of harm so i can't do it but if you all want to do it go for it you know it's up to you and that's where i'm going to end this show i've been talking to you for a while now i think this one's gone on a little long and i'm going to close the show now you have been listening to episode 369 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone on Diablo 3 for sure, are open to anyone who would like to join. And if I ever get a clan on Diablo Immortal, I will tell you about it. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.